It is Susie Ashworth here, and I have a question for you. Would you like to get a copy of my Sunday Times best-selling book, Infinite Receiving, Crack the Code to Conscious Wealth Creation for free? If so, listen up. I am on the biggest of missions. It is my desire that this book gets into the hands of 100,000 humans, which is such a crazy number. It's something like 0.4% of all books that have ever been created will ever sell 100,000 copies. So we are aiming big and I'm here for it and I want you to be here for it too. So part of our vision is to make it as easy as possible for you to get hold of this book, for you to share this book with your friends. And so guess what? You can get the book for free. I will pay for it for you. All you need to do is just pay the postage. Yes, you heard that correctly. And what's going to happen when you receive your free book is that I am also going to give you the Infinite Receiving Hypno Activation. So this is designed to work alongside the meditations that you receive in the book. And I want to kickstart your ability to receive more infinitely now. So you get that with the Hypno Activation. You will also receive the exclusive five-week course that I created to celebrate the launch of Infinite Receiving, the book. And so what you will find is in this condensed course, which actually it's six weeks because I've included a Q&A session, which is amazing. What you will find in those weeks is a real deep dive into what I teach in the book. So the value of that is £497. It is amazing. It was such a joy to deliver. And on top of that, you are going to receive 21 days complimentary access to the Infinite Receivers Members Club. So not only am I releasing trainings in there every single month, so depending on what point you join the membership, there will be months and months of trainings that you will be able to access for free in those 21 days. And I also have a channel called Daily Devotion, where I come in every single day and leave you a training. Sometimes it's in the morning, sometimes it's in the evening, sometimes it's in the afternoon. But That training is designed to inspire you, to remind you, to be an anchor for the mindset that you need to have, the lens that you get to look at the world through in order to amplify, elevate, and accelerate your receiving journey. Yeah, it's absolutely wild. You get all of this for free when you say yes to getting the free book. Like literally all you have to do is pay for postage. So I couldn't make it any easier. And what I want you to do is for you to grab a book and for you to tell a friend to grab a book. Let's get this into 100,000 hands. 
And all you need to do to claim your free book is go to susieashworth.com forward slash book for free. That easy. So susieashworth.com forward slash book for free to claim your brand new free copy of Infinite Receiving. Crack the code to conscious wealth creation and finally manifest your dream life. Hello, hello. It is Susie Ashworth here, Mindset and Messaging Mentor, and I am really, really excited to be bringing you the first episode of Making Babies and Making Bank. And I hope that this is going to be one of a much, much um, longer series. Hello, lovely Beth. Um, I felt really motivated to create something like this after hearing again and again and again that if you are a woman who is a mother who's got young children, you are not going to be able to create a quote-unquote successful business. Now, I think there's probably a whole conversation that we need to have around the word success, but it really, really peed me off because, hello, lovely Lizzie, I am very fortunate enough to be surrounded by some incredible women who are making a big impact facilitating huge transformations in the world, and they're doing it all with children under the age of six. And so this series is designed to inspire, um, hopefully motivate those of you who want to be motivated, but also bust, bust some myths. And what I can promise you from this series is that it's not all going to be hearts and flowers. And myself and my guests, they're going, this is the easiest thing that you can do. Um, because sometimes it's really bloody challenging. But I, yeah, I want you to know that if there is a part of you that is holding back, there is a part of you that is like, mm, am I good enough for this? Or I'm not going to be able to do it all. Or the idea of trying to get your head around what work-life balance is, is kind of putting you off even going for it. I hope that these conversations are going to inspire you into taking the next step um, because of your situation rather than holding back because of it. Um, because we can do it and we can do it our way. And I'm going to be showcasing over the next few weeks lots of women who are doing it in lots of different ways. And I hope that that is exciting too. So we, I, I feel kind of more nervous than what I normally do when I'm doing stuff like this because I am going to hand over the wheels to someone who I'm really excited, my favourite word, excited to introduce you to. You're going to be seeing a lot more of this amazing face over the coming months and years, not least because she is going to be a master progress coach on The One. So we haven't announced that. So there's a little bit of an exclusive for you. Um, but Fiona Gregory is an incredible coach for creative startups. So anybody who's been in the creative industry, anybody who is um, a wellness professional, anybody who considers themselves 
to be a creative, but when it comes to business, feels a little bit like, oh, what the fuck do I do? <laughs> the creativity is being strangled. She is the person to speak to. And I'm handing over the reins to her. She's going to be interviewing me. And we only have two questions that I said that we need to be asking, and they'll be the same two questions that I ask everybody. But other than that, I've got no idea what she's going to say. So I feel a little bit like, um, anyway, I'm going to stop wittering on and bring on the lovely Dee. Please let this technology work. She's going to be on. There we hey go. Hey there. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. <laughs> and I am pleased about it. So we've got a few people who are here to join us. So um, that would be amazing. Please feel free to ask questions and Fee will feed the questions into me. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I don't like doing and relinquishing control. <laughs> Oh, so exciting. Thank you, Susie. Um, I just want to say before we kick off with the questions, um, I just only heard about this whole programme and um, live events that Susie's going to be doing a few hours ago. Um, and immediately I was like, uh, I'm excited too. Um, and I'm excited because it's going to be real because let's be honest, Susie Ashworth does not have an inauthentic bone in her body. Um, and of course, it's going to be real. It's going to kickstart with us interviewing Susie. Um, it's also just going to be so refreshing and this is I think what excites me the most um, and why I love creativity so much and I love the way that Susie sees the world and sees business and navigates through it in such a creative way so I can't wait to get stuck in to see how she's meandered the hurdles the bumps the fears and kept that life force going um, it's also just going to be so inspiring it's always so inspiring to hear your story and your and the fact that you're going to be sharing so many other people's stories it is just going to inspire us all that we can do it because if you can do it if they can do it we can all do it yeah. So yeah. So let's start off then. Um, and I want to go back actually to before you were a mother, um, if you can remember that. Um, to go back to think, what were your, what were some of your fears or some of your kind of preconceptions about what you thought before you were a mother about the challenges for being a mother in business? I don't think that I thought about it actually. I barely even thought about being a mother before I got pregnant. So we were, to be fair, we were trying, but it was very like, oh, you know, we've been with each other for a while, we've been married for a little while, like, should we try and have a baby? But it was very kind of laissez faire. We were like, okay, let's just do it. And when we got pregnant it probably took us about a year to get pregnant when we got pregnant the thing that was on my mind was oh shit like now I need to my the thing that was on my mind is that I wanted to inspire my child I wanted to be an inspiration and I wanted to be able to say to them because we didn't know whether it was a boy or a girl that they could do anything that they wanted to do. And I looked at my life and was like, I don't, I'm not living that. I was working at The Guardian 
and I'd been there for seven years and I loved the lifestyle BC before children, before getting pregnant. But soon as I got pregnant, I thought well, I'm not going to be going out for nails because I can't do the Prosecco and I can't do the parting after work. I can't do that type of networking. Like, this is not what, this is not what it's going to, my life is going to be very, very different. And then I was like, and I also don't want to go to the top. So uh, do I want to be working in a company where I am uh, basically earning enough money to pay for my train fare to go in and pay for childcare for a job that doesn't really inspire, doesn't light me up from the inside? And I was very aware very, very quickly that no, I didn't want to do that. So that was the first thing on my mind before getting pregnant and then when I got pregnant. Okay, good. <laughs> I love that. I love that it's the seed for your living a life without limits um, kind of happened with um, with that very seed. Um, and then, okay, so then you're pregnant and externally, what was happening? You know, what were people saying to you? What was the narrative? What were those stories that people were saying to you about your career change, about setting up a business? Like, what were you hearing? So... Uh... I was one of the first of our friendship group. So what I got was a lot of, ah, really? Because at the time, my nickname was like Boozy Susie. And it was like Ibiza and Amsterdam. And it was like, you know, I was I was living the life. So it was a little bit shocking that I was one of the first people to get pregnant in the first place. It wasn't until I got pregnant with Coco that I decided that I was going to hand my notice in and um, retrain as a hypnotherapist and psychotherapist but nobody knew that so uh, I just knew that I was going to retrain and I started my retraining when she was a month old so that in itself was it was quite a big deal and I uh, but it felt really important to me as a woman so one of the things that I did when I got pregnant with Caesar or after I had him is I did I trained for a bike ride from um, London to Amsterdam in 48 hours that was that was the task and I did it the motivation was again I wanted to be able to say to him you can do hard things and don't look at me and tell me that you can't do the thing that you want to do when I, six months after you were born, got on a bike, cycled to Amsterdam in 48 hours. Like That was bloody hard. Um, uh, it absolutely wrecked my body and I wouldn't recommend anybody else doing it. But that was my mentality. Like a lot of what I do is about being able to really authentically look at my kids and say, stop whining and get on with it because you, you, you get you get this choice. And again, with Coco, that retraining at a month, for me personally, a lot of these things are about me as an individual, as well as being a mother, I am wanting to inspire them and wanting to be able to say from a true place, you can do this because I've done it. It's also about that creating that space for me as an individual. I suppose I've never been the person who was, um, uh, like I'd never dreamt of being a mother my whole entire life. And I didn't, what well, I was very conscious about knowing that I had an identity beyond motherhood or alongside it. So that was another motivating reason for why I did that at that point. 
Great. And the, um, I'm pleased that you touched on identity there because I think it's such a huge thing and it comes up all the time. Um, and um, I'm just wondering that um, when you identified with the God, I need to show my children that they can do anything and that anything is possible. Did that feel like a departure from Susie pre-children? You know, did that feel like a new identity or how did that feel for you? I think that I think I have more purpose behind it. So uh, when I was 19, I lost my foster mother. She passed away. And that was a hugely pivotal moment in my life because I felt that she had died early. She did die early. And she died without really feeling like she had lived her life to the fullest. And so my journey between 19 and um, however old I was when I had my first child, I don't know, um, was all about living life. And so that had always been what I had, that had been how I'd been living for like 10 years. I think that it dialed it up and it honed it in, it was like, you're not just doing this for yourself. This is not just for shits and giggles now, but this actually means something to human beings that you love more than anything in the whole entire world. Like we're a team, you are leading the team. You need to get kind of make sure that your shit is in line. And so it just, it honed it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it really ignited that. And I'm, I'm feeling you like, in that place of being fired up and like, let's go, let's go. And this is where I want to bring in, like, let's get really real now. Okay. Yeah. So you're there, you're ready, you're, you know, you're hungry for it. You, you know that you have that really honed in purpose. Um, in reality, uh, what were some of the first hurdles that you came up against? Yeah, well, the first hurdle was that I was breastfeeding Coco and being away for a whole weekend when you're breastfeeding um, a one month old is really, really freaking tough. And you're pumping in the toilets, Jerome, because I think it would have been, I don't, I wouldn't have done it with my first child um, because you, I think you're, you, you're just you're just learning and it's like oh my god by the time you have three it's like oh they're fine <laughs> do we know where they are now <laughs> not really don't judge me not really um, um but you are more relaxed or i was more relaxed with coco so it made it easier to be able to go away but like the practicalities and the logistics of um, um, pumping whilst being away um, it was really hard and I my milk dried up a lot sooner because of that time away which was also really hard that was um, it, that wasn't a conscious decision to stop breastfeeding as early as I did with her but because I'd made that decision um, um, th that was a consequence and I think what is interesting, I watched, um, I forget what her name is, but she's massive in the, in the mum world. And she did this video where she was being interviewed and the guy was saying to her, 
what age did you crap your what, what age did you stop crapping your pants what age did you did you self wean or were you weaned off the boob and it was and it was all of these questions that we kind of spend hours and days like beating ourselves up or looking at other parents to see what's going on with them and is our child meeting this milestone or that milestone and I think what was interesting for me is I've never really looked at my kids in that way or my parenting in that way so whilst I do suffer from mother guilt um, um, it's never been so much about those things because for me the bigger picture has always been about I know if I can do this I am going to be so much more of a better mum to you um, than if I didn't do it. Yes, we would have breastfed for longer, which I would have liked without any shadow of a doubt. But the consequence of that would have been, I don't think I would have been showing up for her in the way that I have done and wanted to. Um, um, I don't think doing anything out of fear ever gets you the result or has the impact that you desire. And that, that, that feeling of guilt, you know, that this is such a meaty, uh, dark feeling um, and it invites so much fear in. Um, and, you know, that's so inspiring that you, you, you moved through that. And I'd love to know, what, like, um, how did you enable yourself to move through that? What were some of the things that you did to ensure that you did move through and that you didn't like, contract and, and retreat into that fearful space? Uh, that particular example was not hard for me. Yeah. What I find hard, so what I found hard this year being away, mm -hmm. um, is the travel. Like I've done, and it was a very conscious decision to do more travel this year because we're on this side of the world and there were lots of events and stuff in the US and in South America that I just wouldn't have gone to if I was in the UK. That I have found it's not, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't, maybe I'm just not a very guilty person, but I found hard. I found challenging um, being away for the amount of time that I was kind of in the springtime. And what I learned from that was, okay, so this is how I do want to do it. So I don't want to have more than two trips where I'm away for longer than three days in a month. So, uh, so that is the new boundary because I don't want to feel like I'm missing my kids' lives to build this amazing business. Like that's not the point. The point is is to be living my life and build a business. And you can do the two. I think a lot of the time people think that they're mutually exclusive. They're not. But I do my boundary for that is I live my life. I try and be the best mother that I can be. And being the best mother that I can be also involves me honouring who I am as a woman and who I am as a woman, independently of being a wife and a mother, is somebody who is driven today. Like for me, putting it on the back burner for just 18 summers isn't an option, even though it is only just 18 summers. Like I get it. But for me, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And I love that notion of kind of you have to 
test and push the boundaries first you know you don't know what your own expectations are until you're in the doing phase Um, and it's that constant that sort of test and refine test and tweak and repeat Um, and I think that expect that word expectation is a huge word and and you know I'm I'm wondering if you received we talked a bit about some of the kind of fear that you've had projected onto you when you when you were pregnant and people were like no one's done this before but you know when you're when you're doing those things you're going away for for work you're traveling um you know you're doing the things that perhaps some other people in your peer group aren't doing um you're pushing not just your own expectations and boundaries but you're triggering potentially other people within your network because you're doing things that perhaps they're not doing um do you have experience of that or do you have you had um that kind of judgment projected onto you there yeah do you know where i felt it the most um with the my nct group who i have to say i went to barbados for my nct group so they were an amazing group of um individuals but i was doing things very very differently and i have to say that with judgment i think most of the time when it gets to us is because we think that there is an element of truth in there and we start so i think it always comes back down to your like your own anchorage and so i'm just very clear that being a great mum involves me being a great woman in my own right and I have to, I think the difference between myself and um, um, other people is that I am prepared to test knowing that sometimes I'm going to get it wrong. I'm prepared to get it wrong in a little way so I don't get it wrong in a massive way. So my diary was packed in May and June. Now, the fact that my diary was packed in May and June is not going to ruin my children's lives. Even if it was packed every May and June, my belief is that is not going to ruin my children's lives. But who I want to be as a mum is to not have it that packed every May and June. So I learn the lesson once and then I choose to do something differently. I think a lot of people aren't prepared to test they aren't prepared to stretch because they are worried about what other people are going to say about them. And they are saying kind of those same harsh things that they are worried about hearing from other people. They're actually saying it to themselves. And I'm I'm not saying bad things to myself. I like accept that I'm gonna fuck up sometimes, but I also know people who are, you know, living it now, who felt like they were the perfect mothers, who did everything right, whose kids still turn around and say, You fuck me up. And so I'm kind of like, I'm never gonna get it all right. Let's just test it, see if it works for us as a family. And if it doesn't, I'll change it. Like that has been the that being able to flow and be flexible, I think, has been really a powerful asset in helping me build the business. 
Mm, yeah, and I think there's, a, you know, I'm a big believer as well, like you, that of creating business on your own terms. But I think a big misconception around that um, phrase is that terms feel very fixed. You know, yeah. it feels like put them on paper and do not deviate from them. Um, and so, you know, it feels like what you're saying is actually terms are evolving terms are growing terms will meander you know you it's how you you creatively navigate your way through those terms and bring them with you um, and let the ones that don't work for you kind of fall to the wayside and and, and learn from that you know yeah 100% we are you've just got to be flexible and i think that that's one of the most difficult things in entrepreneurship and in life, actually. That's why a lot of people won't even take a foot into entrepreneurship. It's that uncertainty. People want to know what X, Y, and Z is going to be before they've even taken step A. So it's like, just put one foot in front of the other and you will work it out. I have to say a big part of me being able to do this the way that I've done it is having my husband on board. So uh, I think that, and not that he always got it because he didn't. He really, really didn't get it in the beginning. He's now very fortunate that I dug my heels in and I, you know, I advocated not just for myself, but really for our entire family. And I think for any of the mums out there who are advocating for your entire family, like, do allow yourself to dream bigger and step into the bigness because you will never get into that space if you don't allow yourself to take those leaps of faith in yourself. And I get it, like it can be really, really scary. You know, I've had the conversation where my husband's been like, I'm gonna give you three months to make some money in this, and otherwise you're going back to work. And me going, yeah, okay, like, like fuck, I'm going back to work. Like, I, I, I've always had the attitude that if one person can do it, if there is one mum out there who can build a big business and look like she's doing it in the way that I would want to do it, then I can do it. You only need one example, and then you play around with it to make it work exactly for you. But having the support network has been important, but it wasn't always, it didn't start off being really supportive. And I think that that is important to say as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, it's that when you talked about uncertainty there, I think that resonates so much with everyone because, you know, you're in that space of uncertainty. You're getting comfort more comfortable with that. You're testing and trying. And then to bring you know, your husband along with you, um, you know, other people often like to, to say, okay, well, what, what box am I putting you in? You know, where's the certainty? You said you were going to do this and now you're not doing that. And yeah. now things keep changing. Um, you know, I want to get down and dirty with like when shit did hit the fan or, you know, when those really difficult conversations were happening where, you know, perhaps time and time again, you were testing and um, it wasn't working and you were having to retweet, retweet and have the energy to not only have your own, um, like embrace certain uncertainty yourself but also bring other people along with that I mean it was hard <laughs> <laughs> 
It was really, really hard. And I can say it with a big smile on my face now, but I remember when we launched the Calm Birth School, so I launched it with a business partner, and she was still very committed to her own brand, whereas I had gone all in with the Calm Birth School, which was, um, uh, for those of you who don't know, it was the world's first video-based um, hypnobirthing program. And it was an online course that we sold for 97 and 149 pounds. It was like, and then we split it. And then we had the VA that we, because we got a VA like right from the get-go. Then we had the VA that we needed to pay. So it was like, um, I, I mean, um, uh, the maths don't add up here. And for a long time, they didn't. And I used my maternity leave. Um, what I was doing is I had some uh, um, private hypnotherapy clients that would kind of tick things over. But I was all in. And it didn't make any financial sense at all. I remember that we had to get our kids um, Christmas presents like Amazon were delivering them on, on Christmas Eve. So uh, I, I, I've been there when it doesn't make any logical sense to continue and the, and the money really doesn't look like it's ever going to appear. And I think that when you are starting out, like that's the place where most people drop off mm. because they there's a huge amount of guilt about the fact that you are not pulling your weight. There is a huge amount of fear that things are never going to change. And when you're running around feeling like you're doing all of the things, it's like you can't see the wood for the trees. So... Uh, on paper, you have all of the reasons that you need to give up. And I think that certainly for myself, and I know for many of the women that we're going to be speaking to over the next few weeks, you need the crazy chip. There needs to be a little bit in you that does not quite make sense. And that then gives you the freedom to be like, fuck it, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make this work no matter what it takes. And I really want you to be on board with me, but I get it if you're not. But even if you're not on board with me, if we are staying together, then I just need you not to talk about it and let me get on with it. And no, like when the chips were down, and I ever needed, like, we need, like, we never missed a mortgage payment. We always paid our bills. It's like whenever that money needed to appear, fuck me, it always appeared. Because I was always taking consistent action. I wasn't sitting there being like, ah, like, you know, when you get analysis paralysis. Like, I wasn't doing that. And so weird shit would always happen. And the money that I needed would always turn up eventually just before, like, the before everything was going to fall apart. Nothing mm -hmm. ever fell apart. Mm, and I think um, 
I'd love to just go into that a bit more because I think I'm I'm think I'm thinking like what would the naysayers say? <laughs> what would the people say that would be like it's so easy for you to say that now? Or um, you know the chips are really down for them, and like you say, they've got that long list of so many rational, logical reasons why this isn't going to work. Perhaps they've tried and tested a few things that hasn't worked. Also, like from an energy level, they are tired. You know, they're not in, from an energetic point of view, they're not at that level where they feel that they have that kind of fluidity to be resourceful, to be creative. Um, you know, I want you to go into a bit more of that consistent action there, because I feel like the the message of have faith and have and trust um, mm. could fall on deaf ears when someone is in that position of, but this isn't working for me and I am trying and I'm fucking tired. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I think, and I'm not just, I always feel nervous about saying this this specific thing because, um, um, because I'm a coach. Um, uh, but one of the things that I did right from the get-go was I, I had a coach. And so I think that a lot of the spinning of wheels that happens is when you're trying to work out stuff that you've never done before on your own. And you're, you know, you're like going round and round on YouTube, like you're Googling stuff <laughs> and you're looking at everyone's free stuff. And sometimes there's some great, like I like to put out good free content or great free content, but at the same time, it's really different doing an hour YouTube webinar to, you know, having an hour with a coach and being like, okay, where are the nuances? Like what specific thing did you say here? What specific thing did you say there? Um, um, and then having somebody to be like, stop, stop. We know you need to have the crazy chip to continue, but right now, like you are in like, <laughs> you're in the mire. You need to stop and breathe, you know, and having somebody who is emotionally detached from you, who can see you and your brilliance and remind you of that and then give you new strategies and then give you tips and hints and of what to do and how to move forward. Like, that is the thing, you know, and not everybody does that. Not everybody does that, not everybody has a coach, but. For my own personal experience, that's what I did have. And so when, like, Jerome would be speaking, like, and I'd be thinking, like, <laughs> I would then be like, ah, you know, I would go and email or get on a call. I'd wait for my call and I'd be like, oh, okay, what do I need to do? And I'd be like, okay, this, 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 and this. And I'd be like, okay, fine, that's the mission. That's how I dealt with that. For people who are don't feel that they're in a position to be investing in a coach right now, um, um, I mean, God, look, that is another, even that sentence, I don't even like saying that sentence because basically what that sentence is saying is for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, I want you to work out by yourself how to do the thing that you already know that you don't know what you're doing. And then you can pay somebody to tell you what you've worked out. Like it just it doesn't it doesn't make any logical sense. But for anybody who does who genuinely feels like they are not in the position to um, invest in somebody to support you, I, for me that is about the bigger vision. And one of the things like from a mindset perspective. If I was the person, so I, 
like have your role models like somebody said it in our group the other day they were like I asked myself what would Susie do and then I did that thing like so whoever your role model is like try to like that is the best thing it's like would she give up Mm. would she pick up the phone would they do this would they do that like that is at least something to get you kind of keep it moving and Mm. that's most important thing to keep it moving um, um also be really connected to why what you're doing is important to you and i think that when you're down in the shit and it feels like everything is falling apart and you're, you're feeling like you're in chaos yeah sometimes it does feel like the easy option to stop but if you are the type of person who has a big mission like stay connected to the mission and the vision and the intention behind that mission and vision. And that then, it's like it can be the spark. I was saying it to a woman on the phone the other day who was like floundering and fluffing. And I was like, can, can we just take a minute? You're The reason that you're stuck right now is that you're making this all about you. Like, let's make it about them. How would you show up if you weren't worried about what people were going to say about you and you were focused on what you could do for them, how it was going to help their life? And she was like, okay. Yeah. So stay connected to the big vision. I think that that's helpful in motivating you to just stay on the path. Yeah, yeah. And I think you t- you touched upon it briefly when you said, you know, have that when you had that hour session or whatever it was with your own coach or you created that pocket of time. And I think time, I want to talk about time here. And I love talking about time because um, mm-hmm. as someone that like goes on and on and on about creativity, it doesn't need all the hours in the day. You know, it needs uh, the it needs those pockets to create yeah. that flow or create that yeah. productivity. And I think one of the big things, you know, one of the big things on the logical list of reasons why it's not going to work being a mum in business is you don't have the time Mm. and so I'd love to hear about what your thoughts are around time and being a mum. The reason I'm pulling the face now is because what I'm going to be really honest with you and the (laughs) the honest answer is like not the sexy amazing answer that everybody wants to hear but when I was starting out um um I I was working in the pockets of time, but I used to work really late at night. So I was lucky. My kids both went down. I wasn't. I was lucky. They went down at like seven o'clock in the evening. So that is when I would do my. And they slept for twelve hours. Um, um, that is when I would do my work and I would work from like seven till midnight. Now, what was interesting is that I work really, really, I'm, I am an early morning person. So uh, the work that I would produce from like nine o'clock till midnight would be incoherent. Like it was just ridiculous. Like I'd look at emails I'd sent to people and I'd be sending the email and then I would like look in the morning and it'd be like, I've just written stream of consciousness into this official work email because I can't think properly. What am I doing? Am I journaling? Am I sending an email? (laughs) It's like, and the elephant went past and ate a Kit Kat. I'm like, what's going on? Um, um, And then I, so then I would get up early. I'd try and beat the kids and then get up early. So I'm not going to lie. Those, my kind of waking hours when I first started were really, really long, actually. And I think that that is something, you know, quite often 
I have mums who start with me who are like, you know what, I'm just bloody knackered, Zeus. Like, I do not have, I can't wake up at four because I've been feeding at two. And, you know, they're going to wake up like six times in the, in the evening. Like, I need to have. And then I'm like, be where you are. Be where you are. And what that means is you can't do it like I've just described it. So working in the evening and getting up early. If you can't do that, you can't do that. Do not beat yourself up for that. That is when you need to take a pause or get extra help in. And I think that that, this is the bit that I think is most relevant um, uh, is that it's okay to ask for support from your partner. It is okay to ask for support in the shape of a childminder or a nanny if that fits for you. And I think that there's so much judgment around not being able to do it all. And it's like, I believe 100% we can do it all, 100%. We just can't do it all at the same time. Or we can have it all. We can't do it all at the same time. And so I have never been adverse to saying, I want help. Like, help me with this. Support me with this. And I think that the more that we can do that, it then creates opportunities for us if we desire to be doing the work piece and if you can't afford a child mind or if you can't afford a nanny then it's asking friends it's doing friend swaps it's going to the co-working space that has the crutch you know it's thinking as entrepreneurs we have to think as mothers we have to think creatively and so it's once you give yourself permission to have the support and ask for the support you then um, um it then starts to work in a different way and I have to say as well, I don't think you need to be working 40 hours a week in order to be making a decent living. And that is around pricing, it's around packaging, it's around positioning and giving yourself permission to charge what it is that you want to charge in order to live the life that you want to live. And I could really go off on a big one about that, but I just there is again is the guilt thing guilt and fear i'm not good enough that keeps people under charging which and that's the real thing i would say that the real enemy here is not charging what it is that you need to charge that keeps you working way 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 many more hours than you need to be doing because you're running around like trying to pick up the scraps and you don't need to be doing that so many people are doing that unnecessarily and what are some of the are there some people out there or kind of things that you're seeing kind of stories that you're seeing that you're just like that's just not true <laughs> or you're like you know I don't believe that, that that was possible for them to have done that in that way like the way that they're kind of selling a false story perhaps are you seeing that out there I am um, so do you mean like um, um you can do it all in four hours a week yeah, yeah, or kind of like the almost like the gloating photos, like here I am, like what a mega mum I am, and boss business babe, and all of it. I've got you know, <laughs> it's kind of ones that just make you think, really. 
so this is in terms of my attitude um i think there are probably loads of people out there who are selling perfection that stuff doesn't bother me i'm not interested in uh, really observing anybody who doesn't inspire me and this is what i really encourage you to do is be discerning about the type of content that you are watching and scrolling on Instagram. I mean, I'm sure, I'm just, I know, but there are loads of, you know, there are loads of people out there being like, I'm doing, I've got it all nailed. Um, um, but I am just, that, I'm just not, it doesn't inspire me, so I just yeah. remove my attention from it. You know, the reality is, is you have to, you only have to spend a little bit of time with me and my kids. And I am telling you, like, Aluna, Coco, nightmares, like, when you try to put them to bed every night, it's just a shit show, you know? It's like, I, I am always, there's a lot about my life that I am hugely, hugely grateful for. And my three children are absolutely top of that list. But... I've said this since I've been in business, perfection only exists in the dictionary. And for me, trying to be the perfect business owner is a recipe for disaster because you can't do everything perfectly. Can we see? <laughs> Definitely can't do everything perfectly. Trying to be the perfect mother, trying to be the perfect wife, trying to be the perfect human. You know, all I am trying to do is really, I'm trying to be a better person. I'm not trying to be the best person. Like, and that is the measurement. I'm trying to do things a little bit better every day. And for me, what that means is being able to be present, like a measure of success, that annoying word, a measure of success for me, is how present can I be with my kids? You know, as somebody who's like pretty addicted to my phone, how 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 well am I doing at putting my phone down and really listening to Caesar drone on about Fortnite? You know, it's like the least it's the thing that I am least interested in the whole entire world. But like, how present can I be to that? And when I can be present, even though I would much rather be you know, just talking or doing anything else other than engaged in that thing. Um, uh, when I can be present for him, like, that's a measure of success. When I can be like to my husband, okay, I'm properly finished, like, that's a measure of success. And that's why in my business in the back end, like, that's what I'm focused on. How can I get the team around me to support me in my work for me to be able to do that when I'm with my kids? At the beginning, it really, that was a lot tougher. You know, my kids, I've got an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old. So uh, that was a lot tougher at the beginning, and it's I'm bringing more intention and attention to it now. They're still young, and they still, you know, they, they want to play and have fun, and I want to be able to do that with them. The better my business does, the, the easier I find that. So again, it's these two things, they're never they're not mutually exclusive, they're totally intertwined for me. Mm. I don't know if answered your question at all. I feel like I've <laughs> loving it. And I think that, that you know that no that kind of that 
notion of being present you know I'd, I'd like to just go into that a bit more um and what you like what you do when you how do you catch yourself because it's so I mean obviously the opposite of being present is not being aware that you're not being present so but how do you catch yourself when you're you know it, you know you've got the tornado around you how do you create that that presence and catch yourself when you're falling away from it I think um, it's stopping feeling like everything needs to happen yesterday. And for me, the type of individual that I am, which is a quick start, like I, I literally do want everything done yesterday. That has been really helpful in being like, I'm in this for the next 20 to 30 years. If this does not happen yesterday or today, it's going to be okay. Like, I'm in this for the long haul. So at one o'clock, I can put the computer away. At, you know, when my kids, who are now not being homeschooled, come home from school, I can make sure that the phone is nowhere near me. The other thing for me is going out, being out of my environment, because I work from a home. For the first time ever, I'm starting to think, do I want an office? Because when I'm at home, it's really easy to try to do the multitasking thing. Mm. When I'm out, when we've gone to the beach, when we're doing something like a family trip, then it's much easier to be like, yeah, we're all together. This is, this is amazing. Like, let's be out. So it's really those little pattern interrupts. So it is like moving my phone and not having a laptop near and then, and then being there. Um, and when you're just starting out, and I'm saying this like in hindsight, I didn't do this at the time, but in hindsight, it's just having your specific times. And so um, my friend Nikki Ellis Brown, she's got a podcast called Naptime Empires, where she's literally talking to mums who build their empire during nap time. And I think that you absolutely can do, if you have a child that sleeps, you can do that. If you don't have a child that sleeps, that's when you need to call in the support and be like, I'm giving myself two and a half hours, Facebook is off, Instagram is off, I'm doing, you know, I'm creating my content. And then at two and a half hours, I, you know, I schedule it, I post it, two and a half hours, then I'm back and I'm being mum. It's, it's discipline. Mm, mm, yeah and I think um just you saying in you know in hindsight um and I also think from an outside perspective you know when we look at and we see what other people are doing or we hear about what other people are doing um we create our own story around how they're doing that um and this is why I love that you're this this um these lives are going to really get inside each person and because everyone is different um you know everyone's situation is different and it's, it's completely different for everyone um and I'd like to ask you about what your personal milestones have been being a mother in business because you know we could project them onto you and say oh clearly it's when you did this or clearly it's when you did that and I think often it's those moments of real success um that aren't shared you know it could be something that's small or something that doesn't look we can't see it on the outside yeah, I so uh, the I, there were the obvious milestones like around revenue and things like that, and mm. getting the book. I would say having my book launch party when Jerome and all of the kids were there, um, and you had my little like picture at the back, and I had a Luna in my arms. That that was a 
kind of big family milestone but the biggest is what we're living right now you know being able to come to mexico as a family have the kids you know jerome homeschooling the kids for the first six months um, um and us being able to you know finance that basically is just amazing it's those little things like going to south africa as a family after jerome handed his notice in and like my business created the space for us to have these really we don't really do stuff we do experiences and so all of those little experiences that the kids are like ah, whatever and we're like um do you realize um, and they don't right now and that's fine but hopefully they will do it eventually um, it's because they're living a life without limitations yeah. like, standard Standard. It didn't um, used to be like this. Yeah. <laughs> it really didn't. It was like, um, um, but so it's those little experiences that we are able to have as a family um, um, that are that the, yeah, they're the biggest success points. Mm. You know, so you know, bringing them over to Gozo after I did my first international retreat and us staying in the in the in the house together and my friend he was chefing for us and all of that it, that is just like pinch me wow that's amazing so, <laughs> oh, and obviously you are queen of messaging so we can't interview you without asking about your messaging um, and I would just love to know how becoming a mother and being a mother in business has impacted your messaging I for me I think that it is um, um it's layers so it's about a deeper layer of truth it is hoping one day that the kids might want to Oh, might want to look at the live streams they might want to come to an event and you know when I think about the last event that I spoke this does make me feel emotional when I think about the last event that I spoke at which was the self-love summit I'm not going to cry at all um, um that talk which wasn't about business it was about being a human um that talk was just it was it was me and it was so my experience and my learnings and that totally has impacted who I came back as as a mum as a wife you know being able to talk in that way and I just think that the older they get and the older that I get there just there feels like a real um, um, urgency is not quite the right word, but there's just a, a deep, deep, deep desire to know, to be the example. And that isn't about, that example for me isn't about sacrifice. It's about, I did a post the other day called Be the Model and Not the Mirror. I want them to humans who desire to have a positive impact in the rest of the world now whether that is on a small scale or with you know five people or hundreds or thousands I don't care but I want them to look at what I've done and and see that connection between what I talk about 
and who I've been with them. And so it's just the message changes as I do and as I look to be a better individual every day, the message gets a little bit deeper, I hope. I hope for the people that have been with me since um, um, since the start, hopefully you feel that the message is deeper. And I love the business and I love the money side and I love the marketing, but I also love the human side and us as individuals knowing that the more human we can be, the more we allow that into what it is that we have to say, like the deeper transformation everybody can have. So I, I would say that that's the way that it changes the layers, gets deeper and deeper. Mm, mm, and we see, we so see that, you know, every day coming into your business. Um, and we've talked a lot about how being a mother, um, you know, how that impacts your business. But I'd love to know how, um, your, how your business has impacted you in a way that's really surprised you, something that you wouldn't have expected. I just, I, it's funny about the creative thing, but up until when I was younger, I really considered myself to be a creative individual. Like I would do all of the school shows and I was like, I always wanted to be the star and I was never the star, but I was like always there, quiet and all of that. And I thought I love creative writing. Um, I thought of myself as a creative. And then when I went to work in media, you had creative teams and I wasn't on a creative team and I forgot that I was, I, I was told that I wasn't a creative and I forgot that I was a creative. And so coming into entrepreneurship is one of the most creative things you can ever do in your whole entire life. And for me, it has reminded me of what a creative individual I am. And I think that, and when I, I bring that back to how I mother, that the permission to do things differently, and I think that that is why my business is where it is, is that I have done things differently to a lot of people. I bring that into the permission I give myself to do my mothering differently as well, and that, that kind of works. <laughs> yeah, totally, and I, I completely agree with you, and I feel like, for me personally, you know, having a business is like a homecoming back to who I was and as a child, you know, all those things that I delighted in and enjoyed um, and just knew so naturally that was a kind of essence of me. And I think that's what I love. It brings that playfulness out in you, which of course is going <laughs> to benefit you as a mother because you have children and they are playful and joyful. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, you know, I think that the biggest challenge for me actually is to bring that to the kids. Mexico has helped with that because on the, on the bath, on the beach, you know, in the water, allowing myself to kind of be free and get moved beyond my fears that they love that. So, yeah, it's been good. Oh, good. Well, I want to open up the questions to to everyone, see if anyone's got questions. But before I do, is there anything that we've missed out? Is there anything that you would feel like, oh, I didn't get to say this or I didn't get to talk about this particular area? Is there anything? I know. I feel like we've kind of covered a lot. I feel like we've kind of covered a lot. I think the um, actually one thing, the one thing that we haven't covered is um, just 
the the money piece and your capacity mm -hmm. to earn and your capacity to receive i think that i just want to say to people don't everybody starts somewhere and I think that, you know, I talk about big numbers and I'm very proud of those big numbers. I hope that it inspires people again to think if she can do it, I can do it because it's absolutely true. Um, but just really remember the start of the story where we were having to wait until Christmas Eve to get our kids Christmas presents because there wasn't enough money. We we're waiting for the money to come in. It's like when you set the intention and then you just have to keep following through and allow yourself like the mindset work is such a big piece around the it works absolutely in conjunction with how much money you can receive just keep do the two in tandem so just keep stretching it ask yourself what is it that i need what is it that i want what is it that i desire and then who do i need to be to step into that and that you can kind of stretch it, which is exactly what I've done over the last four and a half years. Mm. Um, I'm going to just open up to see if anyone's got any questions. So, guys, feel free to put your questions in. We've got one from Ali. I'm really curious about whether you felt you were underpricing yourself at some point. Mm, no, I don't ever feel like I was underpricing, actually. And I think probably I avoided that because I had a coach. So, you know, my first mastermind, which is three months, um, um, I charged £500 for it. It wasn't underpriced. I, you know, it was, that's where I was at that time. It was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. And I was flexing my muscles so uh, i charged something you know i charged a low rate we had a day at the end but what i got from that was a real confidence and a real like i am good at this and every time i've always started low and then as i've got the experience and as i've got the feedback i've then increased my rates in alignment with the transformation that people can get so i always think it's good to start low but as soon as you then have that evidence um or you're too busy you can't fit people in that's another great sign it's time to raise your rates so that's the way that I've always done it. I don't feel like I've ever underpriced, although I did start low. Yeah, I'm pleased actually that you brought up confidence there because that was something that I was going to ask about. Um, a lot of people I hear say say that they've had their conf their confidence is really low from um, when they become a mother. They feel, they don't feel confident in the workplace. Um, and you've touched upon you know some of the things that you did to build your confidence. What else would you? Um, what other tools or advice would you give to people to help them build their confidence up? Be, surround yourself with other people who are doing what you're doing I really really I can't confidence is a choice 100% like you know I have people who are like I'll be okay when this happens I'll be okay when that happens and the reality is is that you have to um, believe it before you will see it and if you want the result before you've taken any action you can't move anywhere so first of all, you just have to choose to feel the fear, choose to do the talk with your knees shaking, choose to press, you know, publish on a live stream, even though you are bricking it. Allow yourself to be shit, allow yourself to make mistakes and know that it's okay. And then from that space, it gets easier and easier. But other than that is be around people who are doing it. Let them inspire you, you know, like really, be around, like have your group of cheerleaders, 
and have your group of people who are going to like really encourage you like you said you were going to do that facebook live why haven't you done it and from that you you will get the confidence to do you know again the other thing is i was thinking about my kids as i say this i'm like you can do hard things you can be brave you know and so it's just remembering that advice and it's hard to remember sometimes to surround yourself with people who will mm, yeah absolutely um we've got one more question from angela or oh, a few more questions um how would you personally respond to this comment you should wait until your children are older before you go into business why <laughs> like that's my answer why you might think that that's right for you but why would you make a judgment that that is right for me what's going that's a complete that's their stuff what you have to work out is when somebody asks you that question what's the thing that's coming up in you why do you think that there if there isn't if there's no element of truth in that statement it's like oh that's interesting moving on i don't need to justify i don't need to tell you why i need to start work now that's mm. like that's your stuff that's not my stuff I work now because that's who I am as a human being and I believe that that benefits my children and you know that's my internal response but I don't owe that response to anybody how do you yeah so my question is is why would you think that that's interesting and then what do you see as the benefits or advantage of you well hopefully um, um you know everything that I've been saying throughout really which is that you know for my daughters seeing me as a you know supporting the family financially us being able to live this life that without me saying anything at all is going to let them know that any kind of patriarchy bullshit that says that you can't do this is not is that's just not their lived experience mm. uh, you know hopefully my son seeing a strong powerful woman means that he will if he if he's that way inclined end up with a strong powerful woman you know treat women with respect because he's seen me command it you know understand that it's fine for a husband to not be the main breadwinner and support the family emotionally you know and practically i think that they're really good um, um you know pros of us living the life that we've been living we just turn things on its head i love it <laughs> <laughs> laughing it all up um and I, I, while you were talking i was like just thinking where where do you get this from susie like how do you have this ability to be so inspiring and such a leader within your own life um which of course you know ignites and inspires all of us like where is this coming from do you maybe you're like i don't know it's just me but do you know i think um, um i think part of it is i think with, um, i think it's just like i said i lost my parents at an early age and it inspired me to want to live life differently and then i surround myself with very inspiring individuals and when you put yourself in situations where people are you know they are building schools and running charities and 
you know, facilitating hugely huge transformations. It's like, wow, there are people out here doing amazing things. And I wanna be, I wanna be in that collective. That's the type of difference that I wanna be making. So I do, I surround myself with hugely positive and inspiring people all the time. Mm-hmm. And you are, you know, the epitome of creativity. You know, it's that life force of you moving through your experiences and using them to produce more life force and, and to do more and to always push yourself. So, yeah, I'm glad you returned to your creative roots. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh. Uh, any more questions? Let's see. I'm going to. One more question for Val. One more question because we've been going for an hour. I'm like, Um, okay, last question. Um, What prompted the pivot to coaching from your other business? Um, So uh, I was working with a coach and she asked me if you could do anything in the world, what, what is it that you would be doing? And I said, I would be teaching people how to do what I've just done. And she said, well, why aren't you doing that? And I went, because um, I need this certificate and that certificate and this and that and that and that. And, that. and she went, you know, get out of town. And I was like, okay. So I put on my first tele-summit. Um, so for me, I got into hypnobirthing because I'd had great births and I really, really loved it. And I wasn't that good as an anxiety specialist for kind of people who weren't pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I uh, I did it and I loved it. But again, that same kind of thing with The Guardian, I just knew that I didn't want to talk about vaginas exclusively for the rest of my career. And whereas people were like, you know, like devouring every single birth book that was ever presented to them, I was doing that, but with marketing books. I was doing that with personal development books. I was doing it with business books. And so for me this is just my natural place and because I was doing well in the business and people were asking me how did you do this how did you do that it was like okay they're asking me um um, okay let's let's share it and so that's how it started yeah yeah and it changes and it grows you know and that's again you enabling yourself and allowing yourself to to grow and to keep pushing into new areas what's next (laughs) What is next? Oh, what what's next, peeps? Is my first three day um, um, business live event, which is happening in London. So mark it in your diaries. It's from the seventeenth to the nineteenth of January. I've never done that. All of the events that I've done have all been around personal development. So that feels really, I feel really nervous and super, super excited. So you will hear more about that in the coming months. And what's next, next, next is obviously the one. We kick off, I can't like, I can't, I can't do this whole thing without mentioning the one. We kick off that on the 30th of, we commence on the 30th of September. So that feels really, really good. The people who want to, um, um, have my support, have the support of community and really start 2020, like, I mean freaking business. That's who the one is for. Um, um, DM me um, um, and I'm happy to talk more about it to see if you'd be a good fit. Perfect. 
Thank you, Susie. Thank you so much, Fiona. That was super fun. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, it's been really great. And the next one will go live next week. Um, um, thank you. Thank you so much. And I will see you for episode two of Making Babies at Milking Bank soon.